Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche, find new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contemporary. It's important to discuss the sensitive issues, more important, in fact, than the regular issues, because by default, the, the, the sense that they're sensitive means that they pull strings in the soul of which more deliberation and more discussion would would, uh, pronounce a higher level of reward in the landscape of life. Because those courts in in the deeper arena of being will has more strings attached to all the parts of the more external components of the being. For example, the topic I would like to discuss right now, the Holocaust, because there's death and life attached to it and because there's an identity, meaning it's it's personal to, to us, and because the, there's good and evil in it, fundamentally, and because we're we're in face with that good good and evil, and we can't ignore it, it becomes deeply sensitive. Meaning that it's, it's deeply connected to the values and structures of our entire form of existence, the, the space that we entertain. And the more there's deliberation in the sensitive areas, the more powerful those conversations can have in the more areas of all components of life because good and evil can take precedence in every situation although not realized they can simple a simple shopping errand can can have fundamentally in it so you're picking between two shampoos right so you know there's a price factor why is price matter, right? And then why does why does monetary restriction matter? And why does good shampoo matter than bad shampoo? And why does caring for the body matter? And why, right? So at some point we're going to hit a good and evil structure. And that being said, let's let's begin this conversation of of the Holocaust. Um, in Jewish thought, the, the, the times of year, seasons are fundamental to how we, how we uh, approach our thought in those seasons. So right now we're entering a, a season of, of longevity of the sun, of, of day. And in Jewish thought, we, we want to balance that to bring the night, meaning as day gets more dominant, we don't want tyrannical day overnight. So we want we want to remember the night during the day. And the same applies during the deep um, coldness of the winter. Now, this thought is not specific to Ju- Judaism or I don't even like the word. I think I think spirituality is universal. Um, and I think there's many religions and even non-religions. We all have this notion of Memorial Day, right? 
although very non-spiritual, there's the idea that we need to get out in the longevity of day. We need to we need to live the fire of of the of the we call it good weather, but really the the experience of of enjoying the fruits of our labor and 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 almost taking a vacation from the hard work in the winter. So that being said, we we tend to focus, and I think it's important for everyone to focus on the darkness during the extreme light. And there's many. Uh, well, when you want when you want to discuss darkness, there's the personal, the individual darkness. You know, the episodes of of one's one's life that are darker than the rest. They're they're deeper and in a way truer than the rest. And then there's the collective darkness, where we, we shared in a darkness. And that could be in our lives, for example, September 11th, judging my audience. And, and then there's the collective historical darkness, like the Holocaust. Now, let's move from these three areas to get to the the third one, which is the collective historical remembrance. Elie Wiesel um, speaks very strongly about remembrance and the word remembrance, the idea of valuing remember remembrance, not not as a, not in the the modern sense where we remember the darkness in order not to return to those ways, but remembrance for the sake of the identity that you're attached to because of those darkness, those days of darkness. And your experience going forward is, is built very much from that darkness because it's truer than the rest and it, it touched the soul deeper than the rest. And as I said before, what's more important to the soul, what's deeper in the soul will, will affect everything. So our individual darkness, going through a certain episode of darkness or experience of darkness, and it doesn't have to be dramatic on paper and in the, in the ears of others. It's, it's, it's in itself, that experience of dark. It could be just, you know, the ear blew a certain way and you saw something in the in the distance of unrelated nature to who you are, but it grabbed you and and the color and the and the you know it was a child you know that was that was being cared for for by 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 its mother and it, it grabbed you and that that's a that's a deep experience that's happening right and then there could be even darker than that and when I say darker I don't mean dark as in empty in the notion of nothingness. I mean it that in all darkness, there is the essential light, meaning existence encompasses darkness and light, but existence still exists. And we can't have a conversation about darkness if existence didn't exist. So I never want to uh, try to sound when I speak of these things. I never want to sound like there's a bottomless pit that never ends into infinity of nothingness. 
because even in there, there's some structure that keeps it alive for us to discuss. So therefore, it's not bottomless and empty, but there's a ground of which it stands on, which is which is existence itself. Although in the darkness, it might seem bottomless, but that's that's a that's an impression. That's a that's a dramatization of that experience. And even in the deepest of darkness, there never should be a notion that it's this is the full reality and there's no other reality. And even reality itself is this. And because there's something that gives it the the energy to be, right? There's some there's some component, there's some um atom that's emulating emanating light to give it that energy and without energy nothing can survive so i think that's a big mistake in our modern society that we 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 tend to think that there's this darkness that's never ending and that's just foolish because who handles that darkness of never ending darkness of it empty emptiness bottomless experience so back to what we we're discussing about the holocaust Right, so there's the individual darkness, then there's the collective, then there's the historical collective. And I think we're struggling a little bit nowadays, especially in the past five, ten years, with how to write history, because who 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 gets the pen to write history? And who decides what's important and what's not, and so on and so forth. And I don't want to delve into that discussion too much, because... It's a deep and it's profound and it sidetracks the ultimate experience of history, which is not a study, but a, a reality, right? Meaning if you're, if you're going to study history with the purview, with the lens of who decided this, who said this is important and who said this is accurate and I mean it's just one witness maybe there's others and so on if you start to go in the scholarly um, dissection of, of historical events then it loses the the touch of our experience and soul connection to it and rather becomes an abstract discussion and the fruits of that dissection are, are so small and tiny compared to if we compared to the idea if we acted like everything was true and real, not in the sense that there was no other possible interpretations and nothing more important to record, but that this is what we have and this is what we can handle. And at the end of the day, the history is not the life, but it's us in our experience of it. And we don't need it to be perfect. Just like our own witness accounts of stuff cannot be perfect. They, they're, they're biased. Let's say you're in a bad mood or in a bad, in a, in a, in a more night type of experience of self. And then you experience something you will have a certain perspective that's very different than if you were in a gloomiest, perfective mood. It's just, you're, it's not about bias anymore, but that's a side discussion and one that's worth having, just not at the moment. 
because it will it will distract us from that connection to history. So going into let's say the Holocaust, right? We're not going to ask the questions of what's true, what's not, and so on and so forth, but our relationship to it. And in the West, the first thing we should know is that the Germans, the Western Germans, were were the same general identity as our current society. And that's deeply important because it's not India studying the Holocaust. It's not India experiencing or feeling or tearing for the Holocaust. It's us tearing for us. So that's that's first true. It's true for the for the Jew, of course, and it's true for the broader Western public. And anybody who seeks to be influenced or is forced to be influenced by the West. That is this is the West dealing with West problems. And maybe I'm generalizing. Maybe there's someone out there that's questioning what I'm saying and saying, why, why call everything one, why put everything in one canopy, the West? So I'm sure there's already those that have that understanding, right? But to explain that a little bit, the West is built on a certain modern thought. It's intellectual at the at the foundation, which is usually the case. And that modern thought was shared collectively amongst certain amounts of people. And it, it bordered at some point, meaning it was a collective sharing of a certain group and it wasn't being shared with other groups. So India was not being in dialogue with the the revolution of science and the and the Einsteins and the Newtons of 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 our modern society. So because that was the case, we shared we shared the development of the intellectual foundations of not democracy because that's that's too specific but of a collective agreement of being, of how to view the world and how to view ourselves. Because it was never, I don't, I, I personally don't believe it was ever political. I think political was a that distraction from what was really happening, which was the, the people. We came together and it did not border necessarily on countries it, because they were sharing ideas with, the German institutions were sharing with the American institutions and from the Americans to the Germans. The films were being shared together. Similar to today. Now, today the West the West has globalized much further than Germ much further than Europe necessarily, and therefore it's a much bigger category. Although the the further it gets outward, the less influence they can produce onto the West, and the more they have to just receive the Western influence. And you'll see very much a copycat effect where the further away, and I don't mean in distance, but the further away you go from the, the, the true expression of the culture of the West, 
the more you'll find the copycat effect. If the West found something interesting, an idea, a way of being, then they'll they'll do it, but not because they understand it, and not because they've they've discussed it to the deepest element, but rather because they rather because they they find it to be rather they find it to be the the way of life it's very much an eastern just take 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 what they're giving you without any regard it's it's lacking free thought with anonymity and and so on and so forth so let's 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 stare back to the holocaust so if it's the west against the west then it's personal because it's similar to one arm against another arm because we're we have an identification that that went rogue and it wasn't the fact that they were fighting each other but that one side demonstrated an ugliness of the other side this is why it's so sensitive because we don't want to hear our own shadow and and because there was a this was a production of the west it's a it's a deep reminder that there is something deeply wrong with our total frame of culture that can produce this and we haven't uncovered it so why can't it produce it again and more importantly for those righteous minded this obviously is not the righteous way of life if it can produce something like that for good leads to good and evil leads to evil so if we see uh fruits of evil we assume that the the structure itself is evil as well the the culture itself is is evil bound so that's 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 one point it's it's that's why it's so sensitive another point i want to discuss is the the connection that we should receive from the holocaust we should revisit it as as an experience of our own because we still are in the west and there wasn't some invader that destroyed the culture and a new culture came about because we're living in it it's important to recollect the the darkest collections of our historical foundations so it's similar to revisiting your own trauma right everybody would agree every psychologist every neuroscience scientist everybody will agree that revisiting your your darkest moments is a deeply important thing to do because for many reasons but most importantly because it's you it's fundamentally you so for our culture fundamentally who we are at the deepest place is the holocaust if you want to answer most of our cultural questions and dilemmas and problems even 80 90 years later we can we can usually find the underpinnings in the holocaust because it was so dark it was so dramatic and it was so effective to to touch on on so many lives nobody went unscathed a minor example that would be september 11th right uh, the america before september 11th and the america after or really the west before september 11th and after is a different west and you could see a lot of 
the society we have now from that. So the darker, the darker and more collective the experience is, the more it becomes the identification of which everything emanates from. I like to think of the religion, the deep humanistic religion of the West was found in the bottom of the barrel of the soldier of World War II. Meaning, as they were going forward in their campaign and and saw more atrocity of, of, of their enemy, but also their companion, because, again, the German is the West. They're not fighting... Um, a foreign, they're not, they're not in Japan. It's, it's very different in Japan because they're not contending with it. It's just this, this enemy that they, they must destroy. With the German, it's much more personal, right? And as they go along and they see more and more atrocity, they've built, they start building a foundation of what they want to see of the world once they've completed their, their campaign. And they brought that home to America you know, in the, in the form of, of storytelling, in the form of um, cinema, in the form of many, many, many ways. And, and really, Europe became the West, you know, became, uh, became a child of, let's say, America after World War II, because Europe had a lot of power of culture. But once... Once the Americans, although there's many other countries, the Americans took that initiative of, of creating the, the new influence of culture and everybody agreed to that. And then eventually you have this new world order where, you know, that the West starts emanating from America, Europe gives a little bit of influence, and that's the West of the world. So it's my point initially, my point really is that there needs to be a revisitation of that in, in a deep connected type of way. So what not to do would be scholarly study because the abstraction, you know, the dates, the numbers, the lacks that, lacks that profundity that will come back to your soul, but rather similar to visiting a friend or a family re relative in the hospital, right? That experience of what do you do? Like if you ask someone, what do you do? Like, do I start studying books on how to visit people in the hospital? You go in and you share in that connection and you just talk about what they, you just allow the conversation to flow and you shed a tear and you bring love. So the same thing, when you want to revisit this, it's, it's, it's going with that approach. It's, it's going with the approach that I'm going to put my soul, I'm going to become vulnerable, and I'm going to allow tears to flow, and I'm, I'm going to envision myself in, in the collective experience of this. So much so that it's almost like I'm experiencing this as, as a victim and as an oppressor. Because, again, we're, we're going in. Or going into that experience, just like the victim, unfortunately, had to experience the, the psychopathic German, not necessarily psychopathic, but the 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 oppressive attitude, the oppressive way of thinking, in their own psyche. So, too, 
we must go into it. And the deeper that connection is, the deeper that experience is, will, will make us be like those soldiers at the end of their campaign in World War II where they're starting to see the atrocities, they're starting to, and now they're, they're stuck with existential questions. What are we doing with our lives? How are we structuring society? How does this make sense? How does this lead, right? It leaves us with these deep questions where we can't be this. Now, how do we not be this? Or deeper than that, how did we become this? And where does, where does that emanate from? And where is my good and evil stand? And so on and so forth. But that shouldn't be the goal initially. The, the goal initially should be just to connect, just like we connect to the individual trauma, connect to the collective trauma. The goal is to just be a part of it, especially as we find the Jewish thought in these, in these times, meaning in the summer, long months, the long days, sometimes months, but the long days where we need to bring back darkness. We can't, we can't just assume we're in light all the time. We need to remember the, the soul-trenching experiences that make us who we are. Those, those dark days of the winter that make us who we are in the summer. And, and, that, will, and that will give us a grounding in, that, in the light of the summer and the, and the longevity of the summer. And doing that as in the personal way is important and doing that in the collective way, collective in our current environment, meaning what we've experienced historic in our own lifetimes and the historical collective and most importantly in the historical collective reconnection or revisitation or reimmersement or becoming attuned to is 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 those that are part of our culture are deeply part of who we are so the darkest of the let's say the west and then you could go bigger than that the darkest of your nationality and then even bigger than that the darkest of 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 the world and it doesn't have to be the darkest but dark times throughout historical now, obviously, the, the further away it, it is away from your ancestral chain and your gene pool and so on, it will lack that, that connection, although there's always that human connection. So if something happened in, uh, in some faraway land, disconnected from any, any part of your soul now or in the past, still will have that human connection which you could you could revisit um so that's these are these are important now the most sacred this is this could be discussion but i find that the most sacred is the individual trauma versus the collective trauma so revisiting your own darkness versus the darkness of the holocaust or the darkness of september 11th not to compare the two, just that one actually happened in our lifetime, which gives it a, a one-up on, on those that are etched in the mem memory of our beings and our culture. And then, and then the, the Holocaust, although it is, it is in the third category, meaning less sacred than individual 
darkness and and collective current darkness because of the magnitude of of the exposure it it definitely has this place of extreme sacredness and study and anybody who wants to find insight into who they are into who society is and so on and so forth and and good and evil and so many others a deep study of holocaust would be this place to go and avoid the abstract scholarly study because it's it's made in a way that takes away the story the the connection of soul to the to the facts right they become facts and factual and it's rather a human experience and you could you could be in that experience so it's it's the shedding of the tear but it's the honesty and this is the third point being integ being being honest about about who you are and who you would be in those situations and as a Jew this is a little bit of a tough one because it's easy to fall into self-pity and it's easy to to just blame right especially when blame is due but that's not the the honest way that's not the the wise way the wise way would be to face it who's responsible who's not what is responsibility what is good what is evil and who would i be and who am i and so on and so forth and 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 ask yourself would i rather criticize this fundamental part of history and part of my history would i rather criticize myself my surroundings the west than just use the pain and the anguish to blame and to hate and this question goes everywhere it goes in any dark place it goes in your personal darkness would i rather take the anguish the suffering the strife of that experience and find someone to attribute it to and to be bitter and resentful and to and to be hateful or would i take the approach of how could have i done better in the state of victimhood and how am i still a victim because of it and how much have i received from the oppressor to the point where i have oppressive tactics and states of mind now these these are hard questions and put you at the put the victim at the stance of persecution but to answer the suffering of the holocaust to answer the suffering of our decrepit culture that produced such such atrocity would be best to start at home would be best to start in your own psyche and that's that's where the gold lies and t- turning those tears into 
into productive self-analysis and turning those tears into gold. That's the difference. There are many that connect to it, but then take the tears, turn it to anger or blame or indifference. Like, okay, I cried about it, but it doesn't matter to me that much. Or let's just move on. Cliches. But those who respect the tear and recognize that with a tear comes territory. And with territory comes a development of some sort. A development of hate, a development of love. Like Eli Wiesel, right? A development of love. That tear turned him into the most loving, you know, caring spokesman of the Holocaust. The biggest pacifist. And I'm not saying to be a pacifist because that's a determination that your soul needs to encounter when facing these things. And that's another discussion. And there's there's argumentation for a pacifist or to stand by your own and to protect, but to do it with without destroying the subtle experiences of the soul without becoming a, a warrior that feels no pain. Because that's just killing yourself to kill another. That's not good. So there's much to discuss. And and you can see, it, even for me as I discuss it, it's, it's taking a turn of, of sensitivity and it's becoming personal. And it needs to become personal for you too. It needs to but also to be a dialogue that's readily discussed of in one form or another. It doesn't have to be direct. It could be through, through poetry. It could be through, it could be through um, muse and, and examples, parables. Um, I'll leave off with this. Uh, like Leonard Cohen is another example of a pacifist in this regard. And I saw a little clip of him in Austria in like the 70s playing a Yiddish song about a Rebbe and his Hasidim, a rabbinic sage and his, and his disciples and, and the dance and the song together and the, and the harmony and beauty of it. And he's playing this for youth activist in Austria, a very strange choice to make. And when we see it deeper, that's, that's an that's a act of war, but in the most subtle sense, where he goes back and he says, I'm going to sing a Yiddish song about a Rebbe to a bunch of Austrians, you know, two, three decades after the Holocaust. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's the way to fight, because when the enemy doesn't see you, and the enemy doesn't even know you from beginning to end. That's a, that's, that's a tactical force that doesn't cost the subtlety of, of being. And there's much to learn from, from, from great people. And it's a great exploration. It's never, and I mean this deeply, from the bottom of my heart, it is never a bad thing to study the Holocaust in any shape or form. And it will only lead to some sort of goodness. The more study, the better, the holier.
the more sacred you become. And I've given some reasons, but there's thousands, almost an infinite number of reasons to study. And it will bring you insight that will last 20 lifetimes and it will find you in, in conversation with the ways of being good. I bless you to do that. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.